Coming up on NBL Now, an NBL legend set to return, but for a short stint, that might be in the throwdown and keen to get Leonard Copeland's thoughts on that. Reporting coming out of New Zealand that they won't be signing an injury replacement. They're trying to keep their head above water. And what's going on with Will McDowell-White's role? We'll find out a bit more about that. And we have to talk about the coaches' challenge. So let's get into it coming up on NBL Now. Welcome to NBL Now. It's Thursday, November 9th. Pete Hooley back in the seat with Leonard Copeland. Copes, there's a lot to talk about, but let's get stuck into some news that broke yesterday. Daniel Johnson set to return for what seems to be a very, very short stint with the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. What are your initial thoughts when you heard that? It's about time. This guy's been sitting around waiting. We know he's a champion. He can play. Pete, I know you've heard you say things, good things about him. Daniel Johnson is a champion to me. I mean, he can score the rock. Uh, he shoots it well. He stretches the floor. And he's sitting at home, and there are teams that are looking for imports overseas when you can just slide him in, let him do his thing. Well, apparently the Phoenix had already had a chance when, when Gorjok Gak got hurt earlier in the season and then obviously became healthy for a little bit, re-aggravated his calf, and he's out. So Daniel Johnson, who just had a job in Qatar, fall through. Looks like he's going to play potentially two weeks, but the scope could be for longer, and he may very well suit up on Sunday in the throwdown. Now, does that bolster the Phoenix chances, or how do you see the throwdown currently sitting? Well, the throwdown, I heard Derek Rucker say that Phoenix has this under, this is guaranteed, mm. they're going to win by six. I don't know if Dan Vickerman is going to agree with that, and, and I don't know, look, Melbourne United can be tough at home, uh, not not their own game, but they're still in the same venue. Um, yes, they lost a game and they lost some key uh, players uh, last week against Perth. But let me tell you something: they still got they, they still got enough talent out there to make this one a very close one. And I wouldn't say I'm not going to guarantee Southeast Melbourne to win. I'm, I'm probably going to lean toward Melbourne United because they've lost, and I know what kind of coach Dean Vickerman is. Yeah, add to that. So there's no Luke Travers, Ian Clark with a hamstring injury, and Ira Hook Porty. We're not sure, but it, it didn't look like he was going to be potentially suiting up for this week. And even without all of that, if you take that on any other team, you're probably a scheduled loss. But you're right. With the depth that Melbourne United has, JLA looks to be at full match fitness now. Obviously, he's still going to try and get his touch back, but he looks nearly back to his best. Chris Golding's still there. And then you've got bench guys like Tanner Krebs, Flynn Cameron, Rob Lowe, I'm sure, who are just desperate for more opportunity and more of a leash on the offensive end. So I know they lose a bunch, but in the grand scheme of things, do they lose anything at all? You still got Shea Healy and Della Manova mm-hmm. are two of the best defensive guards in the entire league. Della Manova looked like the Della Manova of old. I mean, he was uh, against Perth. He was aggressive. He was getting to the basket. He was knocking down threes. He really played well. Now, one concern was Shaley and his three-pointers. He just he, he, he could knock one down against the Wildcats, but I'm sure knowing him, he'll be able to get to the basket and create havoc. So if you do have no Lou Travers, no Ian Clark, no Hook Porter, Del Vadova looks to be an offensive-minded Delhi these days, and a lot of the selection, the shot selection in that game in Perth, a lot of people were questioning it, but... Does missing significant pieces, I guess, take the pressure off him to have to change his game if they're at full strength? Uh, look, you, you're right, but, but and, and Melbourne United are missing key pieces. Ian Clark came out against Perth and knocked down three threes in a row before he went down. 
Um, Travers is Travers. He goes to the glass. He has one of the best IQs I've seen in a long time. Uh, and and then when you you miss Hook Porting, who's been fantastic the whole year, then it hurts a regular team. But like you said, JLA is back. He's fit. He's raring to go. And I, I, and I promise you, you're going to see a different JLA in this game than you've seen the last game. Well, the throwdowns always bring a little bit, and there's been a little bit of talk back and forth the last couple of weeks because this has been two of the best teams we've seen so far in NBL 24. Uh, from all reports, John Wall, the owner, uh, one of the owners of the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, is going to be in attendance as well. So that's probably going to add a little bit of juice to the flame. So we go from that to what Olgan has been reporting from New Zealand in not bringing in an injury replacement. They're going to try and keep their head above water without Zylan Cheatham. Good idea or bad idea? And, and what do we think of that? Well, look, they still have some talent. I mean, Will McDowell-White isn't playing the way he did last year, but I'm expecting that to happen because he's still averaging the same amount of assists. Um, and you, you bring in Pete, uh, Parker Jackson Cartwright, who's playing great basketball. But Lamb, they wouldn't got Lamb. He's an NBA yeah. pro. He knows how to get to the basket and score the rock. Yes, they probably need some backup uh, in the center spot, but you still got Dane Pernod, who, who had 20 rebounds a couple of years ago. So if you can throw that guy in there and tell him to just rebound the ball, then you're going to be okay. You mentioned Will McDowell. A big thing for me and a big watch recently, coming off the bench, so his role's changed. This is not something that I expected. This, this is the most sought-after free agent in the offseason, marquee player, one of the best, the best Australian point guard we have right now. He's coming off the bench. Parker Jackson Carwright's obviously been terrific. One, did you expect that? And two, how long is it going to continue? Well, you're right. I did not expect it at all. Um, he was probably the best guard in the league last year. Uh, almost a triple-double whenever he went out and played real good basketball. So I think with the injury to his hand, it sort of took a lot of his confidence away. Uh, again, he's still a playmaker. He still averages those assists. He can rebound the ball well. He's just not shooting well. But I don't expect that to. Uh, I don't expect him to be on that bench for long because he's one of those guys I know him well. He was in Sydney with us. He, he's got to come at you. He's got to. He's got to get himself going. And imagine him and Parker Cartwright on the floor at the same time. Can they coexist though, Copes? That's the thing. I think that's a lot of people are trying to figure out. Can these two? They need the ball in their hand a lot. Can they make it work together on the floor? Because last year Barry Brown Jr. came off the bench, the high octane scorer, but. They figured it out. They obviously made a championship series on the back of two elite guards. They had other pieces, but can these two figure it out? Morey's a good coach. You know, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. And, it's, and it from the outside in, it doesn't look like they can because they both need the ball to perform. But, you know, when you got talent on the floor, you make it work. And he's done that. He's been to a championship. And he knows what it takes. You got two quality point guards, and they, they're both unselfish is what I love about them. They both look to pass the ball. But they both can score. So, look, again, from the outside looking in, maybe it doesn't work, but I think in their camp, they, they'll figure it out. I have no doubt they will as well. I'm looking forward to seeing Will McDowell get back to his best. But talking about backcourts trying to exist together and get something flowing, Jacob Jacomas came out and said after their last game with the Kings in the press conference that potentially something has to change, and it could be in the starting lineup. I think Mason Peatling's due to come back, and everyone's kind of talking about Tyler Harvey and Justin Robinson. We talk about coexisting in New Zealand. 
can these two figure it out? Or do you believe that one of them in the near future is just going to have to see a different look and go off the bench? Not that it matters. I think personally, we put too much emphasis on who starts the game or so. If they're going to play starters minutes, it's just about who finishes. But what's your ideal Illawarra Hawks starting lineup? Well, they both, they're both they both very talented. Now, I called a game last Friday uh, against the Sydney Kings. I just think what needs to change is shot selection. Um, the, the guys come down and just let it fly in hopes that all these long threes are going to go in. And when they don't, when you're playing against a team like Sydney who will get that rebound and push it down the floor, uh, you're in trouble. And that's exactly what happened to them. I think they need to move that ball from side to side. I think they need to get falling a little bit more involved. Uh, but Clark's been fantastic for them. So if you can if, if you can clean up that offense a little bit and and continue to play the way you're playing, then you'll be fine. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they can get better every game. So you think keep the starting lineup the way it is with Robinson and Harvey for the time being? I, I don't I don't mind them. I don't mind them. I think like you said, it doesn't matter who starts. If I'm coaching that team, if guys are taking bad shots, then that's what I'm making my changes. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm sitting guys down and saying that's a bad shot. That's not helping us. Yes, we've seen Harvey come down and make long threes, and they look great. But when he misses, it hurts the team. And he's a superstar. I don't want to rag on Harvey. Harvey's a superstar, but we got to find better shot selections. Maybe get him running off screens. Maybe get him going back door, getting some easy looks to get him going, and then it helps the team. Well, Cobes, I can't let you go without talking about one of the, the big news things throughout the week. One of the big topics is officiating, but I don't want to talk about officiating because I think some of it is a, a bit of an unfair whack. And especially that Thursday game that people want to talk about last week. I, I went back and rewatched that. I think 94% of that were, were actually foul. So I know there was a lot. I think that needs to be a bit of adjustment. I want to talk about the coaches' challenge in particular because yeah. we obviously saw the, how the game ended on, on Monday night. I personally would be all for having no coaches' challenge unless it was reviewable in, say, the last two to five minutes of the game because that's obviously what we look at. And then in a situation that we saw on Monday, but this is what the coaches wanted in the offseason, if you're challenging a foul, you're just looking at that entire play. I'd like to just look at the entire play, not the specifics. But where do you sit with it? Well, I spoke to Liam about it yesterday, and we were talking about the same thing. The NBA now have changed their rule where the referees just want to get the, the foul right. They call it on number 10, and number 11 made the foul. They have an opportunity to go back, have a look at it, and get the foul right. And the, the, the coaches in the NBL were asked if they wanted to run through that same mm-hmm. They all said no. So at the end of the day, the referees can't – they're doing a fantastic job. We can't sit there and go, the referees did this wrong or did that wrong. 77 fouls in that game you were talking about. Uh, it's just 77 – it's just too many. So I think my plan was, would be maybe sit down with each team, send a referee to each team, have a chat about – how, why they're fouling, what they're doing wrong, and then maybe clean it up because people at home don't want to see 100 free throws. They want to see fast-flowing, real basketball. Yeah, no doubt. And I think something that uh, is going to be looked at closely, and I, I don't mind the way that the NBA have changed that coach's challenge, by the way. I think that's the way of the future. But you're right. This is how the coaches got put to them in the offseason and what they wanted to go with. And before I let you go, Copes, Daniel Johnson is set to play in Adelaide next weekend against his old team with all the talk that's been going on what is going to be going through that man's head what's going to be going through the Adelaide 36's management and fans heads and I kind of want to see him go for like 40 I just want to see him go into villain mode but I don't think he's the type of guy to go into villain mode are you kidding me Daniel Johnson wants to get 50 trust me 
Pete, we're all human. We all we've all played the game. You know, like I know, if a team lets you go or you or things aren't working for you, and you go back to that venue where you've made a name for yourself, the fans are gonna be up standing up cheering because he's a he's a true champion. Then he's gonna want to drop fifty. And I wouldn't be surprised the first three he takes is nothing but net because he knows that venue better than anybody. And I'll be sitting there cheering for him. I, I really will. So you don't mind the idea if this is a little two, three weeks in and maybe a little audition and not to say that Daniel Johnson will just be shipped around six teams for the rest of the year, but you want to continue to see this man in the league because I'm on board with that. He should, man. There's no reason why he shouldn't be playing for somebody. He's too talented. He's big. He's Australian, and he's sitting at home not playing basketball. That just doesn't make sense to me. People when other teams are looking for players, and you don't know what you're going to get. Now, I'm all for going to get another import, but if you got a guy here that can play and he's already here on your shores, why wouldn't you give him a look? I'd have him in camp straight away. Copes, I appreciate your time. I love that you're coming in hot. According to Leonard Copes, the Melbourne United are winning on Sunday. Daniel Johnson's going for 50 next week, so a lot to look forward to, Copes. Thank you very much, and everybody, make sure you tune in. The NBL is only five games this round, but it all starts on Friday night over in the West.